You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. The Way, the radio show for the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Jen Delvo, and I'm a senior coordinator in the office, and I'm excited to be talking with you today. Uh, normally, we are uh, recording or we are live uh, and doing this at 8 a.m., but especially because we're going to talk a little bit about responding to current events, I do want to let you know we're pre-recording this on the previous Friday, the 15th. So just with the way that the world's going, we want to make sure that you have context for where our conversation is coming from. So to start with, I'm very excited to have Laura Lees on the phone. Laura is a spiritual director who I've uh, worked with in many facets of ministry, and she's uh, got a great background, not only with a certificate in spiritual direction, but she also has a master's degree in human resources. She's a wife and mother with two young adult daughters and is uh, the founder of Streams of Grace Spiritual Direction Practice and also a spiritual director and companion with St. Mary Immaculate Parish in suburban Chicago. Laura, it's so great to have you with us today. Well, hello, Jen. Thanks so much for inviting me today. So part of why I wanted to invite you on to talk today is that it has been, uh, I feel like saying, a chaotic or tumultuous few weeks or even, you know, it's hard to believe that we're only about two weeks in the new year. Uh, But then that's also right on the heels of 2020, which was just so full of so much unexpectedness and challenges for so many of us individually and as communities. And so... What I'm hoping we can explore a little bit today is how do we respond to that in faith? How do we help ground ourselves in the face of chaos and of change? Because I think it's probably safe to say that 2021 is bound to bring a little more change with it. Um, But first, I reference the fact that you're a spiritual director. And now I know well what spiritual direction is because I know how valuable it is in my own spiritual journey. But I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about what that is. Yes, thank you. So as in some things, it's easier to say what it is not first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so it is not exactly the same as counseling or therapy or coaching, um, while all those are fantastic disciplines as well. Uh, in spiritual direction, this is more about somebody companioning us, uh, coming alongside us, really helping us to focus on our spiritual journey. Uh, when you work with a trained spiritual director, uh, they're offering you an opportunity to continue to reflect back on your spiritual journey amid the chaos, indeed, of life. Um, generally, we meet once a month for an hour. So again, unlike those other disciplines, it's There's more time in between our conversation, and this is when we then meet and we reflect back on trying to notice the fabric, if you will, of the Lord, of the divine in the everydayness of our lives. And it's helpful to share what's been going on with someone else. I also have my own spiritual director, and she can say to me, oh, this is interesting. I noticed three (laughs) months ago you were saying something a little different, so I'm seeing some transition going on here. Mm-hmm. And it's so helpful, right, to have somebody other than ourselves noticing these things with us. Definitely. One of the questions I get when I talk with um, parishioners or uh, people who aren't 
pastoral ministers is that they question whether spiritual direction is something for, you know, kind of that normal person in the pew or a normal individual of faith that doesn't work full time in ministry or is themselves a spiritual director. How would you respond to that? Yeah, it's so great. So I think generally I see folks coming for spiritual direction when they're in some sort of transition, when they are seeking discernment, a big decision, and they don't want to do it without inviting God in. And how do you hear from God, right? How do you listen? Yeah. Um, and so often that's the first reason they come. And then once they show up, surely we're going to speak about that transition. At the same time, we then start noticing some other things. And so some people will come for a particular reason, mm-hmm. and then they might be done after a few months. Um, some will come and say, all right, this is actually helpful. Uh, most of us as spiritual directors, we're very affirming and encouraging and always trying to help folks see the good. <laughs> Where is God in the midst of all this, especially the chaos of this last year? Um, some of the folks I've been seeing for some time, and then there's some loss in their lives. There's mm-hmm. perhaps a death and something to grieve. And so because we've already had this relationship that's been built a- building, I think it helps when this really ma- massive event happens. Um, so for me, as a, as a lay leader myself, I see folks, and by God's grace, so many coming to me for support and encouragement. Many are church leaders, and many are not. Mm-hmm. And so I love that there's this very big mix of your particular background. But, you know, in the end, we are all human, and we all need encouragement and affirmation and reflection. I've had some folks say to me, Laura, thanks for noticing that. The people I live with day to day, they don't see that kind of stuff, and they don't say that kind of thing to me. And that's why it's so important to have somebody who's really impartial, kind of this third party who can notice things that the people we see day to day aren't going to see the transitions that someone else is going to be able to see a little more easily. I think that's such a a great component of spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. And I know I've definitely felt that myself over the years as Mm -hmm. I've um, had a variety of different spiritual directors, especially because I've lived in uh, different states that necessarily Mm -hmm. entails it. And I always find it's helpful because they do notice patterns or Mm -hmm. they are able to provide that vision that we can kind of lose because we're, you know, in the trenches of day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think as we look to the year ahead, which I feel like even just trying to figure out what's going to go on in the next 24 hours is near impossible these days, that having somebody to walk with you through this can be really helpful to folks. And that, you know, I'd be curious, what are your thoughts on how we can ground ourselves or what is it that we could do as individuals of faith approaching the vast uncertainties that the year ahead might hold for us? Indeed. I think a question related to that is, is it all right for me to uh, have peace and, Mm -hmm. dare I say, joy uh, Mm -hmm. in the midst of all this chaos, right? We are all surrounded by people who have their own individual challenges as well as the global challenges. So is it all right for me to have some peace? And so, uh, you know, I look no further than the daily readings, and I love that they're called the daily readings for a reason. Uh, We are meant to receive this nourishment constantly. And sometimes it's hard to find the thread of hope in the middle of some of the scriptures. I'll tell you this, though. I I think a discipline is every day, Lord, show me the hope in the middle of the daily readings. And right today, uh, again, this is on Friday, uh, January 15th, at the end of the first reading from Hebrews, therefore, let us strive to enter into that rest. There it is. I Mm -hmm. I won't call it a command, but I hear it as invitation. It is okay to enter into rest. This is what Jesus did constantly. Uh, We don't really know what he did when he went off to pray, but we know he did it quite a bit. And the disciples would go try to find him. Hey, we got more work to do. And he said, oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) I have my agenda. Um, And he always made sure to rest and spend time with his father. So I think something as simple as the daily readings, we can get right through, uh, you know, the USCCB, get it mm-hmm. emailed mm-hmm. to your inbox and so many other wonderful apps. And Lord, you know, going with that intention, Lord, I need positive. I need mm-hmm. a word from you. Mm-hmm. Please show me um, where the hope and 
and the joy is and the peace. And I think especially mm-hmm. when either loved ones or uh, mm-hmm. friends might be in that very deep personal suffering that can sometimes be challenging for us as people of faith to ask for something that could feel selfish or that's for me when all I want to do is mm. pray for my friend mm. or my family member and that yes. it's a good reminder to that we need to be rooted in our own spiritual journey and our own faith life so that we can be a support and accompany the others in our lives who may need us as that source of hope or joy or peace or rest in their lives and that yeah. God needs to first kind of fill us up with that mm. before we can offer it to others when they may mm. not have the wherewithal to seek that on their own because of the moment they're in. Yes. Amen to that. I, I would just one last comment mm-hmm. on that. Henry Nowen, a fairly well-known uh, spiritual director of our times, he's the one I go to when I hear someone say, is it okay for me to pray for my own needs? Uh, is it okay for me to spend time quiet and resting and listening and reflecting. And what I hear him saying is absolutely, as you just (laughs) said, first we must be filled before we can be any good to anyone Mm -hmm. else. So I am grateful that you would give us that reminder. I think we need to hear it often. How do you think, what would be your advice to somebody who might be struggling to grow closer to God or to even maybe start or start afresh their journey to be in relationship with God in these days? Yeah. So I, so again, my perspective as a spiritual director might be a little different mm-hmm. from, from most folks. I see the, the more the chaotic, the more the invitation to come mm-hmm. into rest. Um, and Often when folks come for spiritual direction, they will say, Laura, you know, my prayer life, my spiritual life, I'm I'm just feeling kind of stale, frankly. Uh, I don't sense God's presence like I did before. Uh, And what am I doing wrong? I I keep trying harder and harder, doing the same thing, and it's not working. And so often when folks come, I sense it's an opportunity uh, to perhaps try a different kind of discipline. Um, We talk about uh, a resource, it's kind of funny, called What's Your God Language, of all things. <laughs> and so what this author did is she took all the beautiful different spiritual disciplines and practices, and she put it in a kind of nine types, nine categories. And, you know, we have a couple of quizzes in it. What I love about it is it helps us, I think, one, expand our opportunities to connect with God, because, Jen, I believe that is part of the opportunity of life, our lives on planet Earth, is to expand our knowing the Lord, mm-hmm. the expansion of the re- revelation of who he is, he is. You know, when I'm with clients, you know, visually I'll say, okay, if God is so huge, then there's so much more to be known. You know, for mm-hmm. us to be humble enough to believe we don't know everything about him there is to know yet. And so different spiritual practices. And so, for example, some of my clients will come and they'll take a little quiz and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I cannot really high on the activist. And so my social activists, um, some of my cla- uh, Catholic clients in particular, one I'm thinking of, she loves activism. And she was so encouraged to realize, hey, this is one way I show God how I love him mm-hmm. and how I sense that connection to him. And boy, has it been a year for social <laughs> activism. So that's an example. Another is naturalist. I really sense God's presence when I'm out in nature and creation. Is that Okay. Absolutely. A little challenging here in suburban Chicago, in Chicagoland in winter, but we find a way. And one last comment on this, the traditionalist. Some of my clients are just, their heartache over not being able to take the Eucharist Mm, in person for so much of this past year. And so talk about suffering. And so just being with them, walking through that. And so my gosh, when finally able to return to Mass, and one gal said to me last week, I wept. I was so grateful to be in church again. Yeah. You know, I think that's a beautiful point because we can often think you have to be one type of individual or one type of uh, spirituality and that Mm. spiritual direction can help you explore that. When we come back, we'll Mm. go a little bit more in depth. So hang on one moment.
It's a new year. Many of us are making goals, trying to stay healthy, and planning for ways to make the most of every day during and after the pandemic. At Catholic Charities, we continue to meet people who are struggling to meet their basic needs, like housing, food, and stability in their lives. In these challenging times, the face of need is your neighbor, and the face of hope is you. Imagine how the world would look if we all saw each other as neighbors. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back. My name is Jen Delvo, and I'm here again with Laura Lees, a spiritual director in the Chicago area. And we're just talking a little bit about faith and how we can deepen our relationship with God or sustain that relationship with God in the midst of the chaos of our lives and the chaos of even these first couple of weeks of the new year. Uh, just before break, we were talking a little bit about how there's kind of different categories or buckets for what is your God language. And, mm. you know, when you put it within a context like that, I would imagine that there's then um, resources or saints mm. or different pieces of tradition and spirituality that you perhaps offer to some of your directees for how to find that hope and peace and comfort that we were talking about. Are there any sort of, you know, places or people that you like to touch back to? Yeah, thanks, Jen. So uh, I have a colleague who said to me that we get to help make these ancient voices of the saints available to our current generation, those of us living today. And so I, they're my go-tos. And, you know, I, we call them the Christian mystics. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys know these names, I'm sure, St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, amazing writer and very well-known book, uh, The Interior Castle. Yeah. At the same time, as soon as I say that, some of my colleagues will say, oh, my gosh, that is very hard to read. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, oh, how I agree with you. So I have been so blessed to have access, as all of us do, to different authors who take her material and some of the other mystics and make it readable in language we understand today. Mm -hmm. uh, the book in particular that I really love about the castle is um, The Mansions of the Heart by Thomas Ashbrook. And so in this book, he walks us through each of the seven mansions of the interior castle. And I would say most folks, when they're coming to see me as a, a spiritual director, I sense kind of that entrance into what, what she calls Mansion 4. These are the later mansions. These are what we, we tend to become more introspective, Taking that step back, you know, we, many of us lifelong Catholics, we have known and walked with the Lord for a very long time, and then you kind of wonder, is there more? What more is there? Is there more to learn? And so I think that's when we start then looking inside and asking, what, what else is there, Lord? And so this is where we enter more the contemplative life, if you will. This is mm -hmm. kind of what we focus on in spiritual direction. 
how to listen. We don't somehow get taught that uh, throughout life. And so this is where we start to learn about contemplative prayer, listening prayer, mm-hmm. how to hear from God. And so a resource like Teresa of Avila, uh, St. John of the Cross with Dark Night of the Soul, really tough readings. Again, okay. finding an author, a current author that can help us walk through. Um, this is so helpful. And, you know, I say it's more descriptive than prescriptive. So I have a client, for example, who she's read the material and she's, oh, Lord, I'm struggling. I don't know where God has gone. I mean, I would usually be able to picture him and these beautiful images she mm-hmm. would share with me. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're gone. And I said, ah, oh, I wonder <laughs> if this is Mansion 5. And she's yeah. like, oh, I don't like Mansion 5. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. I mean, who would like this? So this is, oh, maybe this is what's going on. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. This is part of the process. You know, it's kind of interesting you specifically mm-hmm. mentioned these two and that mm-hmm. they are relevant for, you know, quote unquote, normal people, you know, non-church mm-hmm. ladies like us. And yeah. that uh, once upon a time, I got very strange looks in a Catholic bookstore yeah. because I had to pull out a ruler and I was measuring yeah. copies of John of the Cross books because <laughs> my brother gave me dimensions of the one open pocket on his uniform and he wanted me to send him a copy of John of the Cross when he was deployed. And oh. so it was the funniest thing because the clerk probably thought it was absolutely nutty sitting on the floor with a ruler in the mystic section. But it was something that he felt really would speak to where he was in that mm. moment. And so mm. I think there's – it can be challenging. I mean, he's a historian, so this is right up his alley anyways. <laughs> but that there is so much richness in Catholic tradition. Mm. And so often we can think there's never been a time as mm. crazy as this or that the world's moving so much faster than it has in the past or you know there's just so much more whatever you know in the world we want to choose to say but the reality is there's always been individual and communal and even global issues that we've had to wrestle with and I think going back to some of these voices in our tradition really can help us see that there's there's ways to approach God and there's ways to root ourselves Mm -hmm. because and they can also give us perhaps I know in my ministry, too, that while I love Teresa of Avila, especially she's the patron saint of headaches, so she's one of my favorites, and um, that I know there's others that I don't click with. And so it's a good way mm. to, though, still know of them because then when I do get questions from people or when somebody tells me they're wrestling with something in particular, I can say, you know, let me tell you the two-minute synopsis of something. And it can pique their interest and be a way to invite them in a little bit deeper into an interest yeah. in Catholicism, an interest in God, an interest in these other holy men and women that – do have relevancy for our day today. Indeed. Yeah. So again, God is so huge and vast Mm -hmm. and so many different ways of knowing him. And another great mystic, of course, St. Ignatius of Loyola, really my go-to. And he has, he's all about the Gospels typically. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the idea of picturing yourself in the Gospel story, that's one of my personal faves. And so I, I write a lot of articles, on, and I put out there on my website from all these wonderful authors. Always give them credit. Mm-hmm. I look forward to meeting Ignatius one day in heaven <laughs> and so thanking him for all his great material. And so I'll send this stuff out to all of, I call them my, my uh, clients, I call my beloveds. Mm-hmm. And one of my clients said, you know, Laura, I, I really don't care for those. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't get into the guided imagery. Uh, she's my activist. And I'm like, great, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's not for you. It's for someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think it can be you can have fun with this exploration of new ways of knowing God and discovering what what seems to be your way of connecting with the yeah. divine and, and what isn't. And like you said earlier, uh, one of my clients asked me about something called centering prayer some years ago. I didn't even know what it was yet. And now I do. And uh, Father Thomas Keating, who recently passed away. Um, he made that uh, pretty popular, and I gave it a go, and it really wasn't for me. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. Um, but the concept of sound, and so the idea of centering, coming back, you know, we are so inundated in the world, indeed. We know everything going on at any point in time far more than the ancients did. Mm-hmm. And it's too much. I can't do it, friends. I can't pay attention to current events and headlines. 
very much. I do a little bit, and mostly I am marinating, really, in the scriptures. And yeah, I get to talk with people in spiritual direction every day for a few hours. And apparently I need a lot because that's where God has me spending my time. Um, And I look again to Jesus as our ultimate example. He spent a lot of time enjoying his Father. And I believe we, too, are invited to do the same. Oh, definitely. I, I know when I've given retreat talks and so forth, I'll often include a couple of those passages in, you know, sort of that opening prayer grounding. And it surprises so many people with how often Jesus uh, pulls away from the ministry yeah. to, especially early in the morning as as a morning yeah. person. I always appreciate uh, that he seems to have been one, too. Um, but I think it's also a little bit of sheer necessity that taking time mm-hmm. and I know I often say it's it's like the Old Testament concept of tithing. You know, think of when you're at your best mm-hmm. and consider giving a portion of that time to God and knowing for me it is in the morning. And that has the benefit then of also starting my day in a good place, no matter what might come at me with work or family, yeah. friends or the world at large. Um, so we only have a minute or two left, but I would love to know if you have any words of wisdom or guidance that you might offer our listeners? Yeah, thank you. So, friends, I believe what we're about on planet Earth is growing in trust in the Lord. I think that's the bottom line of all of our challenges, opportunities to trust Him more and more. And there's this litany of trust that some colleagues had shown me, so I, I commend that to you as well. You can literally Google Litany of Trust Mm -hmm. and the Sisters of Life in um, New York uh, should pop up as a wonderful gift. And I pray a stanza of that every day. And I so I try to go deep once, one stanza a day. The last thing, if I may, uh, the great prayer of Thomas Merton, again, another wonderful Mm. spiritual director of our time. This to me is so telling as I'm trying to figure out what to do. It's all good because God knows our intention. So may I offer this prayer? My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But, but I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. Thank you so much for that. And Laura, I'd love to make sure that people know where they can find uh, your wonderful reflections that you've referenced. Mm-hmm. And also, um, if they're interested in learning more about spiritual direction with you, where might they go for more information? Yeah, so we have a website, The Lord and I. Uh, we <laughs> call it streamsgrace.com. There's no of in the middle, streamsgrace.com. And lot, you know, like over 72 free resources. Um, please take a look. If you wanted to email me to reach out, all that information is on the website. Wonderful. And, you know, I just really want to lift up again what we've kind of been circling around is that, you know, when there is this uncertainty around us, it is an opportunity out of the chaos for creation and that to help participate in that with God. It really is a call for each of us to draw closer to God, to seek out that hope. So, you know, thank you, Laura, so much for joining us. And I hope that all of our listeners go to streamsgrace.com to take a look at that. Take care. Catholic Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. 
These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. On Friday, January 22nd at 12 o'clock p.m., the Archdiocesan Mass for Life will be live-streamed from Holy Name Cathedral. Celebrated by Bishop Kevin Birmingham, along with priests from across the Archdiocese of Chicago, it will be held on the anniversary of Roe vs. Wade and the eve of the final event of the March for Life Chicago Tour. Please join us. The Mass will be live-streamed on the Archdiocesan YouTube channel. For more information and to register to attend, please visit respectlifechicago slash events. It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On the Way, the radio show of the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship in the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm Jen Delvo, the senior coordinator in the office. While normally we are either live we, uh, or pre-recording and we try to be pretty slick about it, I do want to make the uh, listeners aware that we are pre-recording this on Friday, January 15th, especially for this section, just because the world is changing very quickly these days. And we want you to know the context that we're coming out of for this conversation. So I'm excited to invite on to the discussion uh, Dr. Steve Millies, who is the Associate Professor of Public Theology at Catholic Theological Union, and the director of the Bernadine Center. Welcome, Dr. Millies. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's good to hear your voice, Jen. <laughs> it is. And I want to start with a really, hopefully, basic question. What exactly is public theology? Uh, it's a good question, and it's a good, que- it's a good place to start. Uh, public theology, what is public theology, maybe, is the question I get asked most often. <laughs> Uh, and the short answer is it's one of the oldest and least familiar things in the Church, and, and maybe that's a bit of a problem, because I, I think I would say at the top that it's the baptismal calling of every Catholic. Uh, when we think of what public theology is, uh, we want to think of uh, that picture that we get in Acts 17 of mm-hmm. St. Paul uh, encountering the Athenian philosophers who hear the word of this gospel that seems so strange and, and so unfamiliar to them, and so he presents it to them. 
Uh, and that's what public theology is. It's presenting the message and the mission of the Church out in public spaces uh, to audiences, uh, to people outside the Church. Part of that is uh, missiological work. It's missionary work. Part of that is evangelizing work. Mm-hmm. But part, part of it is just the simple call of bearing witness to who we are and what we believe out in the public square. You've mentioned one of our office's favorite passages. You know, we use Acts 17 quite a bit in our reflections and trainings for our evangelization um, work in the parishes. And that's exactly what we talk about, too, is that it is the engagement with culture and people with where they're at, that it's not presuming a certain level of understanding of what we're talking about and our language, our methodologies and so forth. Um the, but I think it's important to say, too, that, you know, the Greek philosophers laugh at St. Paul when he leaves, mm-hmm. uh, and yet, of course, Greece became Christianized. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's an important lesson in there, too, about how it, it doesn't all depend on me today, uh, but the job, uh, the job of every member of the baptized community mm-hmm. is, is to be who we are out in public. Most definitely. I also would love if you could share with our listeners who might not be familiar with what the Bernadine Center is. Well, that I'm very happy to do. Uh, <laughs> Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, uh, I, I hope uh, most of your listeners know, was Archbishop of Chicago from 1982 until 1996, and he was, I think, according to any reasonable measure, uh, one of the most important and influential public theologians of the 20th century, not just in Chicago, not just in the United States, but it really in the context of the global church, I think uh, I would make that claim. Uh, the Bernadine Center is the only memorial uh, to Cardinal Bernadine that he authorized personally. Uh, many people will remember that the Cardinal uh, was diagnosed with cancer uh, and uh, shared his death very publicly with the people of Chicago mm-hmm. and the people of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, about six weeks before he died, he authorized the creation of this Bernadine Center to continue his mission and his legacy, uh, both of which he reminded us uh, were very much uh, concerned with uh, uh, carrying forward the vision of the Second Vatican Council. And in particular, he charged us also uh, to continue advancing the consistent ethic of life that he began talking about in 1983. So our mission is really twofold. Uh, we bring this message of the gospel into public spaces by projecting the work that TTU and CTU scholars and other Catholic scholars around the United States and the world do. We bring that work out into public spaces through our programs, but equally importantly, we bring the world into CTU through our programs and expose our students who are going to go out into ministry, uh, expose them to what public theology looks like, because no matter what kind of ministry they go out into, they, like St. Paul, are going to encounter audiences for whom the gospel is a little unfamiliar and a little strange, and they're going to need to know how to talk to the world. Uh, That's our mission. And I think it's a crucial one, I mean, for my obvious bias coming out of the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship, but I think it's also in direct opposition to what we hear from so many people who say that faith is something private, that it's something that is doesn't belong in the public sphere. I shouldn't talk about it, you know, with the my coworkers or with somebody who happens to be in the photography club that I'm a part of, that it's something for you know, me and God, or it's me and my parish community, or me and my women's or men's group, that it's not for out there. How would you respond to that? I think it's important to make a very critical distinction between what's private and what's intimate, Um, because what's intimate certainly can be public. Uh, Everyone who knows me knows I have a wife, Uh, and, and that is the closest relationship that I have, but it's also part of who I am publicly. Uh, What is intimate certainly can be public, uh, and it's different from what is private. Uh, I I think I would say, too, here in the United States, we obsess about the public-private distinction in 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 almost a unique way around the globe, and I think it tends to confuse our response to this question, that we either do as you say, uh, that is, we we, we regard faith as something so private that we just don't talk about Mm -hmm. it at all, We, we confuse privacy with intimacy in that way, or we go to the opposite extreme. Uh, of, of acting as though our private faith is something that the public world must agree with uh, because of the history of the United States, because of the history of the West, because of the influence of Christianity generally and the Roman Catholic Church particularly, uh, it, it can give rise to a, a, a feeling of entitlement. 
that the world outside the church, I should say, ne- never really seems very much to welcome, and for reasons I think we would understand. Uh, so I, I think you, you put your finger on an issue that's really important. We have to think much more carefully about this public-private distinction, uh, what we do with it, uh, and how we're going to live it. But when it's all said and done, what we must do, uh, as much as I, as a married man, uh, as much as a father, as much as a son, as much as all of those other things that I am, we have to be who we are out in public. Um, or else we have to ask ourselves, is it really who we are, if we're keeping it under a bushel? And I think that's a challenging question. I know that is a huge part of what we see the call of our office to help people with, is to see that it is inherently in their identity Um Paul VI, you know, that church, our identity is to evangelize and to share our faith. And it's not to force that conversion and so forth, but it is to be honest and open about who we are. And uh, as we were talking about in the first half of the show, where do we find hope? And in what do we find the peace in the midst of the chaos of days like these? So I think it's contrary, like you say, to, you know, as so many people have said to me in my parish work, but that you echo exactly the first piece of advice that the first diocesan director that I worked under gave to me is that there's personal and there's private. And when we're in ministry and when we're people of faith, we're called to share the personal. And yes, there's things that have to remain private in both our faith lives and our our private lives, but that as people of faith, it is about that personal, that intimacy that we can share because we have a God who's intimate and who's deeply connected to each one of us. And that. Well, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for Pope Francis's ministry, too, I have to say. So early in his papacy, he, he talked about being not trying not to be a church of sourpusses. Mm-hmm. Uh, startling language for the Pope. And yet it, it really it, uh, it, it speaks to what has been a recurring theme uh, of his papacy, of his ministry as the Bishop of Rome, uh, that we should radiate joy. Um, and that that is the most persuasive evangelizing argument we can mm-hmm. offer, that having faith makes us happy, it fulfills our lives. Uh, that should be uh, something that we bring to encounters uh, as we accompany other people in the world on their own journeys, who will, who will find their own way there, um, all on their own with the help of God. Uh, our job is to radiate the joy that makes the life of faith seem to be attractive. Our job is to be good neighbors to one another, really. I think that is such a powerful message, particularly when we are facing a year that's forced us into isolation in many cases and to really also see within our society that brokenness and that loss of understanding of who is our neighbor and who and how do we relate to one another as we are all children of God, that this call to joy, this call to love one another is all the more profound and all the more needed. Um, we have just about a minute before a break, but I'm curious, what do you think is the greatest challenge uh, when it comes to specifically an individual in you know, I know I hear, for instance, from a family member who uh, works in the private sphere that they can't talk about faith. They can't talk about politics. How do you see a person like that in the business world able to approach this? Well, I, I think I do think that there are relationships. You know, I wouldn't want my doctor, uh, if he belonged to a different church or if she belonged to a different church, I, I wouldn't want my doctor in an office visit to be talking too much mm-hmm. about that. Context always, context always matters. But if it's a matter of getting to know people in the workplace, I I often say I was the only Catholic member of the faculty at the last place that I taught for 15 years, and I never talked all that much about it. But one of the things that startled me often was that everybody knew. Um, And and I don't really have an answer except to say that I I tried never to hide it. But I also tried never to make it the focus Mm -hmm. uh, of a conversation. Uh, I, I tried to let it come up naturally uh, and talk about it as much as talking about my marriage or or any other important thing in my life would be appropriate to talk about in the situation. Uh, and when people are interested, they ask follow-up questions, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's where conversation starts. I, I really think that's how the world became converted 2,000 years ago, was from people simply radiating the joy and living in their lives. Uh, our lives are much more complicated today, and I think that's easier to to forget, but I think the basic truth of that uh, still applies. Definitely. 
I think that we often think, you know, evangelization is standing on a soapbox, but it is just conversation. It is relationships. So when we come back from break, we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Millies. Catholic Charities staff members work every day to end poverty and homelessness. We do this on a one-to-one basis with anyone who asks for help. We also work with organizations who study these issues across our city, state, and nation. The Wilson Sheehan Lab for Economic Opportunities, or LEO, at the University of Notre Dame is one of these research centers. Through our partnership with LEO, Catholic Charities has gained valuable insights into scientific evaluation methods that determine the most effective interventions to help people avoid poverty and homelessness. Along with our experience and compassion, trusted research is helping Catholic Charities offer hope and so much more to anyone in need. For more information, visit catholiccharities.net. The word made clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. It's a new year. Many of us are making goals, trying to stay healthy, and planning for ways to make the most of every day during and after the pandemic. At Catholic Charities, we continue to meet people who are struggling to meet their basic needs, like housing, food, and stability in their lives. In these challenging times, the face of need is your neighbor, and the face of hope is you. Imagine how the world would look if we all saw each other as neighbors. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. radio show, The Office for Evangelization Missionary Discipleship. I'm Jen Delvo, and just again to repeat the note that we're pre-recording this on Friday the 15th, just in case any major changes in the world have happened between now and when this airs on Wednesday morning, January 20th, which is a pretty significant day normally in our country because it's an inauguration day, but it's also an unusual day for us as Catholics because it's only the second time in our history that we'll have a Catholic president inaugurated. And I'm curious, as I have Dr. Steve Millies on the phone, the Associate Professor of Public Theology at CTU, what do you think is the significance for us as Catholics to have a Catholic president? Uh, I think the significance of having a Catholic president, like the significance in 1961 when John Fitzgerald Kennedy took the oath of office, the significance is disclosed by the situation of the Church in the United States at the moment. When President Kennedy took the oath of office, uh, it was uh, shortly after the end of World War II. It was after a time of uh, increasing Catholic cultural prominence in the 1950s. And the inauguration of President Kennedy really heralded 
uh, a kind of a Catholic moment uh, is the way that I usually describe it in the history of the United States. Uh, public Catholicism, for the first time, uh, became not just acceptable, but widespread and highly visible. And, and the excitement of that time is, for even those of us who are not old enough to have lived to it, through it and remember it, but even for those of us who didn't, the excitement of that time is part of our identity as American Catholics today. Today, as Joe Biden will take the oath of office on January 20th uh, of 2021, we are a church divided, mm -hmm. uh, bitterly divided sometimes. Uh, we are a church that is caught also in the bitter political divisions of the United States. And we're a church brought low uh, both by ongoing scandals that have shaken a lot of people's confidence in the institution uh, and certainly have depressed uh, attendance and participation in the life of the church over the last 20 years. Uh, what we saw through the presidential campaign, I think, discloses what the significance of a Biden administration is then from uh, an American Catholic perspective. Uh, and, and it is this, I think, the Biden administration will become uh, the focal point uh, of those divisions, uh, a place where we look to, real, to, to recognize where we fall in those divisions as individual Catholics and citizens. But I hope also, um, because of all that has happened and because of all that is happening, uh, certainly, too, because the president-elect is someone whose faith is so public and so much a part of who he is, I have some hope that the significance of the Biden administration also, too, could be a moment for bridging those divisions and ending some of this bitter uh, polarization that we're caught in the middle of. I, I have that hope, but we'll see. I most certainly uh, agree about those divisions and that this is, you know, God willing, an opportunity to, I don't even know if, you know, dialogue or, or reconciliation or what the right word or hope is even at this juncture. But um, I'm, what opportunities do you see for individuals of faith in this country as we walk into this new administration with a Catholic president? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not sure opportunities is the word I would use. <laughs> okay. uh, I, 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 I'd step just a little bit to the side of that word and, and use something a little bit more like an obligation or, mm -hmm. or you know, okay. we, we, we have a job to do, I think. And, and you used the word a moment ago that, that I've been thinking about a lot uh, since the events of January 6th. Uh, the word is reconciliation. Um, it, it's what this country is deeply in need of. Uh, and it's something that uh, Catholics have a particular understanding of that I think can be very helpful. I've heard some Catholics in public life uh, talking in terms that I recognize uh, their Catholicism and how they talk about uh, accountability being needed before we can all just move on, that there needs to be an honest recognition of wounds that have happened in our country. Uh, but we also have to be open to the possibility of moving forward together. Uh, Bob Schreider, Father Bob Schreider, who's on the faculty at CPU, has written a lot about this and done a lot of this work in reconciliation and peacemaking. And it's hard. Uh, reconciliation comes from God, but we are called to be agents of reconciliation, to do that hard work of living together into the new reality that we all inhabit together after something terrible has happened. We have to live into it together. I think we Catholics have a particular and a keen understanding of what that is, even if we don't have the language for it. We know it from our sacramental life. We know it in our bones as Catholics, in our formation. And so does the president-elect. So do a lot of the people around him. But they're going to need help from individual Americans who are going to want both the accountability for what has happened. But when people sin, there needs, to be, uh, there needs to be some sort of a penance for that. There needs to be an acknowledgment of what's been done. Uh, there needs to be some effort to make amends for that. But then there also must be forgiveness. Uh, it's not going to get done in four years. Uh, but what we all need to do is bear witness to the need for reconciliation in, in, and to make it visible in our own willingness to be God's agents of reconciliation in the United States and in the Church. I think this goes back to that point of the the personal or the intimate versus the private, that this is something that has to be done that is, while very, very personal, is also by necessity something that has to be very public. And that can perhaps be one of the most discomforting 
possibilities, I think, any of us as individuals, because part of the sacrament of reconciliation is that examination of conscience, that we have to exercise that, I think, in my opinion, at least, each one of us, because all of us are part of this nation. All of us are part of the community and the culture from which the the chaos of just these first few weeks of this year and the um, the social situations that were brought to light through Black Lives Matter and the summer um, protests and that we have to look with honesty at who we are and where we come from, that this is a, a personal searching of our values and how do we live those values out in our public lives? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, what, what happened on January 6th in this one way, in this only this one way that I'm going to name was a good thing, and that was that it made so clear all at once and in one place exactly how much we need the very thing that we're talking about. Uh, because everyone in the United States, everyone in the community, everyone in the church, for that matter, uh, is implicated. Uh, and what we have to do is we have to recognize how all of the ways that we live in the community track back to what we believe. We have to identify what we believe uh, in our case as Catholics, with how we're behaving out in public. And that goes back, as you say, to that idea of being public theologians in practice. And it has more to do that uh, has to do with more than just storming the Capitol, or it has to do with more than just issues like abortion or marriage or religious liberty or the death penalty or poverty or any of the others. Uh, what's finally really been disclosed to us with a, a stark clarity is that there's only one issue today. There's only one issue, and that is, do we want to share this community with one another? And that can mean the United States. Increasingly, it seems it also can mean the Roman Catholic Church. But I think, in, you know, we see these divisions mapped into our parishes and our neighborhoods and the blocks that we live on. We have to be able to look at our neighbors, no matter the color of their skin, no matter the faith that they believe in, or no matter where they come from. We have to look around at the people around us and answer the question, do we want to share this community with one another? Because if we don't, we're in for a lot of trouble. If we do, we've got a lot of work. For Catholics, the answer to that question should be very clear. But we're in a moment where, where we really need to, to recommit at the level of personal conversion mm -hmm. uh, to wanting to share all of this with one another. I completely agree with that. And I know this is a conversation that's going to be ongoing, and I suspect also something that will be coming up in uh, programs and so forth offered by the Bernadine Center. Is there a website that they could head to for more information on that? Sure. You can always come to ctu.edu forward slash Bernadine Center. Uh, that, that's our home online. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I hope our listeners will be able to head to the website to check it out and hear more from Dr. Millies. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for listening today to On The Way. John, are you there? Yeah. Yes. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media. Can a dead man